how can service at the point of question help to create cost containment and provide benefit satisfaction? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with CEO and founder of HealthJoy, Justin Holland. They're doing an awful lot of interesting stuff in the employee engagement space and helping folks become consumers. And Justin's done an incredible deep dive into this, knows more than pretty much anybody I know. And so we're honored to have him on the program to talk about kind of where this entire field is going. With that, welcome, Justin. Yeah, great, David. Thanks you uh, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. We appreciate you sharing your expertise with the audience. So let's let's start at kind of a, an interesting level set. We spend an awful lot of time in our industry focused on enrollment, but that's a day or two or a week. It leaves an awful lot of time where we're not really doing a great job engaging consumers. What's the opportunity there? Why is that space important? Yeah, so what we've seen, or at least what I've seen from the space, um, and at least when I kind of say that, it's more from the, the venture side of the business, that a lot of basically venture money, private equity money has been really focused on the administration, the enrollment side of getting people in insurance. So really focused really only on that 15-minute period of time when a person is trying to elect for their benefits for the year. And so I think, you know, when we look at it, the kind of the main reason for that was the, uh, you know, the advent of the ACA and Obamacare where, you know, we were saying, hey, there's this massive opportunity of 20 million people. They're going to be coming on board and signing up for insurance for the first time. So it kind of made sense that there was a lot of focus on how can we get people actually enrolled in insurance. And so I think what ended up happening was that they thought that it was kind of the same paradigm that the carriers have been working under for the last 40 years was, okay, well, let's just get people on insurance and that should be enough for the year. And if they log in once, you know, once a year into their, uh, into their portal on the carrier, the payer site, then that should be enough for them effectively to, you know, satisfy the need of the insurance carrier. But, you know, what we saw was that as this, you know, kind of paradigm shift to these high deductible health plans, and more burden shifting to the employees, that one time a year login wasn't enough to actually make them utilize their plan in a, in a successful way. And so we saw this as an opportunity with this kind of tectonic shift in the market to say, look, the consumer wants to be more involved with accessing their benefits. You know, it's not, they're not on these $500 PPO plans anymore where they're just signing up and effectively they don't have to make a decision. All they had to do was before was go to the doctor and they're effectively, you know, they've hit their deductible and then they're just, uh, they're just utilizing the, you know, the care on their plan for the rest of the year. But when you're having to spend 2000, 3000, 4000, or, you know, even more, uh, for the plan through the year, 
you know, there was a, there, the, the kind of consumer was just kind of left to their own devices. They were kind of, you know, left in, in the desert to go navigate, to find water and to go find shelter. And so we saw this as a massive opportunity for us and really for the, for the industry to come in and say, look, people actually care about using their plans. People actually want to be consumers because this is the first time that they're actually looking at their pocketbook and they're trying to, you know, make a good decision across all these, you know, myriad set of you know opaque different options that they had across the space and so we, we saw that as the opportunity of how can we be there those are the 364 days a year where you may have spent that only 15 minutes making that plan decision and how can we be you know how can we really focus on hand holding be helpful and attack all of those different pillars of cost that go into uh, utilizing healthcare you know in our country today well you know part of the tectonic change, to use your phrase, that's happened is because of these increased personal responsibility amounts, because of the advent of consumer direct plans, we've had, a, we've had trouble as an industry actually connecting employees to the cost of their health care. You know, the old saw is that there's a whole swath of folks who think that an office visit actually costs $20 or, or whatever their copay is. If you don't connect them to, to, to the cost of their health care, how can they become consumers and what do you do to get them connected? How do you get over that hurdle? Yeah. So I mean, the first way is obviously shifting the burden to them, right? And that was kind of step one. So, you know, if we look at the last 40 years of health plan design changes, you know, really it's just been a continual movement towards how can we put this burden back on the employee or the, or the individual from a cost perspective. And that's step one, right? Step one, they have to feel the pain. If you don't feel pain, it's very hard to get any disruption in any space. And it's kind of the same for really any any industry. And now that they have the pain, they still feel lost. So they have to have the tools. They have to have, you know, the services in order to actually become a consumer. They have to have, and that, you know, starts with, you know, transparency. It starts with access. It starts with good data across the board. And without those things, it makes it very, very difficult to actually be a consumer, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, it's like going to the grocery store and there's no prices on, you know, inside the grocery store, you might have access to the grocery store, but if you don't know what stuff costs, it's hard to make a decision across any of those. So, you know, I think that the pain is very clear. You know, the pain is something that uh, is talked about, you know, you know, from the, from the you know, media perspective and from a government perspective, we all know there's a pain. And I think that we're just starting to see now in the last three to four years, there's a lot of new companies that have come up that are starting to focus on how can we give tools so that people actually can be a consumer today. But among all the bewildering stuff, I mean, we've, we've given people tools for a while now. And you, you know how it goes in an open enrollment meeting. Uh, if I'm an employee, I'm focused on what are the plan changes that are happening this year? How much more am I going to have to out of pocket? And how much is my premium going up? And I walk out of that meeting. And if I remember those three things, I'm a superstar. So now the year goes on. I don't remember all these tools and things that I have. And I have a healthcare event or I need to encounter the system in some way. How do we help them get through that maze and, and get them back to the tools that they need and help explain how those operate? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good question. And that comes down to education and engagement, right? If you're not able to, you know, it reminds me of like a, every, most of the carriers that we work with, you know, they have great programs and services um, that can do a lot of these different things, but there's a little consumer DNA to actually get people to understand and how to use those programs and services that they have. And being top of mind, making sure that you have a pro, a, you know, your program or your service or your strategy is constantly communicating 
to those people. Because the issue is, you know, healthcare is such a funny thing where I'm selling you this basket of goods at the beginning of the year. And most likely you have not, you know, you're not in a situation where you're actually utilizing care at that point, right? At the first of the year or, you know, midsummer or whenever your enrollment period is. And then three months down the line or six months down the line or however far down into the year, you're expected to remember that 30-minute webinar you had with HR going over what your benefits benefits were for the year. And that's just an unreasonable expectation. And that's why you know it's so important that it's constantly communicating and constantly educating on those plan on that program design that exists. And that's really the only way that it happens. There's no there's no magic bullet. It has to be a constant set of, you know, a constant set of flow of data and information to the employee or the individual about what they have and communicating through, you know, quarterly newsletters or, you know, office posters isn't enough. It's not going to help just putting your nurse hotline, uh, you know, poster on the fridge inside your, you know, your company's bathroom or company's, you know, kitchen. It's just not enough. They have to be constantly aware of what they have. So when that time at say 2 a.m. or you know, if it's they're having a pregnancy or whatever they're going through, they need to really have it top of mind so that they're, you know, it's present to them when they actually have to make that decision. And yet in the rest of the consumer universe, we don't keep stuff like that top of mind. I agree with you that education and communication are, are critically important during the course of the year. But with all the communication that we've been doing, if you look at, I think it was last year's Kaiser Family Foundation study about healthcare literacy, most folks still can't explain what a deductible or a copay or a max out of pocket is. So it's two in the morning and I'm having some kind of a health event. Do I just pull an app out of my pocket and call some kind of advocacy system? I mean, the reason I ask is there have been phone-based advocacy systems now for a long time. And sometimes they're more sophisticated than others. And sometimes they're just interactive voice response systems. How do I handle that at point of pain? Yeah, no. And that's, that's, and that's kind of the big thing that we see is that the advocacy services today, many of them are really focused on inbound engagement. You know, they're really expecting you to remember once you've had the, after that one enrollment, you know, you've, you've had, they're expecting to take their, you know, that card or maybe that phone number that they had in that benefits packet. And you're supposed to remember that you actually can go back there and actually use it. And I think that, you know, what we see is to answer your question. I, I say, yes, you know, we, we see that ideally you are going back you know, to this application or an application or some other service where you've been constantly reminded to return to so that when it is 2 a.m., you are top of mind. And the and, and that's really the challenge. The challenge in the space is is really on the engagement side of how do we get people back into an experience consistently, you know, whether that's through, you know, a wellness narrative, whether that's through HR, wellness communication, whatever that is. But the thought that if you're going to give someone a card or someone a phone number and expect them to be able to use that when they actually really need it, it's kind of unreasonable. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years' experience working with healthcare and benefit clients. And over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. 
We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. A lot of the phone-based advocacy systems are getting some pickup from employees, but they're not getting the kind of engagement that I think all of us would have wished. And I know there, there are some new technologies that are, that are being employed, some version or some form of artificial intelligence, chatbots. Would you talk about those two things in particular and how those might increase employee engagement and employee comfort? Yes. And I think it goes back to my last comment on the idea of personalization to, to the user. There's really no way to do that without a really an AI that can actually synthesize that data, understand the most applicable time to reach out to a consumer. And we use a, a chatbot in order to make it a really comfortable inf- interface for members where, you know, at this point, luckily, Siri, Cortana, you know, Google Now have kind of made the concept or and Alexa have made the concept of talking to your device something that's that's very, very normal. You know, over 50% of the country has actually talked to their phone, which is kind of, a, you know, a funny concept and getting, you know, talking to the phone and expecting it to answer back to them uh, with the correct answer. And so what we see is that really the only way to scale a service in a way where you can have a multitude of outbound communication across the entire day and across the entire lifetime of a user and understand the exact time to interact, artificial intelligence is really what has enabled us to be able to do that. And in cases when the AI is not able to answer those questions or able to actually satisfy the need, then it's able to connect to advocates you know, or concierge or nurses or even in case doctors um, in order to address those needs when those comes in. So, you know, your example of 2 a.m. at night, you know, ideally you're talking with our uh, the AI and then the AI is able to triage you, you know, effectively um, somewhat similar to, to a healthcare professional to appropriate level of care. And, I, you know, ideally that's just an advocate, but in some cases it could be a doctor. Well, I know one of the other things that you've done an awful lot of research on is another tool that seems to have great promise, but isn't really delivering on the level of employee engagement that one might think it is, and that's telemedicine. Where's that going and how is that going to improve so that we do get that kind of throughput that we need? Yeah, so there's there's two really main things that affect utilization of telemedicine. And the first one's regulations. So, you know, making it easier and more accessible to members and having a, a wider kind of a wider a wider range of scope of services. So, you know, kind of telemedicine started off with a, a very narrow set of services that it could uh, that it could handle. Now there's uh, the services have started to include behavioral health specialists have been starting to get involved. You know, there's second opinion options, and that kind of scope of services have has expanded. So, what we see is the main problem with telemedicine is that people don't really understand what that scope of services is. So, you know, when you're talking, it's 2 a.m. and your you know, two-year-old has a fever, and you know you're freaking out. You know, your first inclination is, well, telemedicine can never satisfy this need. And it, it can. And so I think that's where we see having a comprehensive solution up front where you're saying, hey, come for anything, any question you have, whether and however, you know, obviously, if it's an emergency situation, you should go to the ER directly. But if it's, you know, a level below that, you know, how can we educate you in that process to understand that telemedicine is something applicable? And I think that's the main thing that we have seen is that people really don't understand. If you think of 
you know, the funnel of a lot of these carriers are, are putting out uh, their own telemedicine programs for someone to remember to go to the carrier site that they go to once a year, which, you know, that's hard enough. And then A, finding it on their site, which is buried, then understanding that, hey, I have a specific you know need that this is actually going to satisfy. And then going through that process is very, very low. And so, you know, what we see is, and we get excited about is how can we steer you from a need that you might not understand that is working with telemedicine. So if you come and you say, hey, I have this weird abrasion on my skin, I need to see a dermatologist. You know, we say, well, wait a second, this is something that's that's applicable to telemedicine. And I think that's where we'll see the industry moving is that these services will be focused more on how can we direct you to these lower cost of care. And sometimes telemedicine won't be the answer, right? Sometimes it'll be retail clinics. Sometimes it'll be urgent care. And in some, you know, rare cases it'll be ER. But the, you know, the really the point is is that people don't understand really what the scope is today. It is only going to improve. And then as those regulations change and it's wider and wider scope of service, then it'll become more of a you know commonplace and everyday care for people in the country. Justin, in the few minutes that we have left, I, I'd, I'd like to cover something that we haven't talked about because we've taken this all from the employee's aspect, the employee's standpoint. But at the end of the day, risk management is critically important and mitigating costs trickles into the employer. So what kind of an impact can more robust services like this that help employees engage have on an employer's bottom line? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's all about cost containment. You know, the, and I guess, you know, there's, there's, it's more than just cost containment. It's also benefit satisfaction, which, you know, it's, it's, that's also a level for the understanding that HR has spent a lot of time along with the benefit consultants, you know, organizing these plans for their employees. And you really want people to use everything that you have put together for these plans. And so making sure the utilization, not just for telemedicine or the nurse advocacy or for your accidental or your life insurance or whatever it is, is being used, but really it's all understood. And then making sure that that program is focused on attacking the pillars across the landscape is important. And if you're looking at a program and they really, and they're not, and they're not talking about, Hey, this is going to, to, cost you less in claims per year and it's going to cost you less in claims by the amount of cost of the program that has to be part of the conversation you know if it's not really a 30-day roi then it's probably not a program that's going to work well i mean there's plenty of different strategies across the cross prescriptions across procedures across you know the uh, diagnostics that there's a lot of great services and programs and things that exist that allow us to focus on how can we really, you know, really mitigate costs? How can we get in front of these, you know, different pillars and really make an impact? And, you know, we get excited when, you know, integrated with TPAs and being able to understand at-risk populations, being able to outdo outbound um, against those populations and make sure that how can we be more involved in their, in their chronic management of their diseases? And so, you know, it, it's really about cost and satisfaction. And I think that, you know, depending upon where certain companies are, it really is a different, it's a really a, a, a different need for the different companies in the, in the life cycle that they're, they're looking at. In the minute that we have left, we always like to wrap up where we can by asking the question, where do you see the future? Where do you see all of this technology and all of this interaction going? What's your vision? Yeah. The way I see it is that uh, healthcare should be just like Siri, Right with correct answers, which sometimes series today doesn't <laughs> yeah. do that well of a job or, or Alexa. I'm, I'm glad you added that. <laughs> yeah. Is that, you know, I think that, you know, in 10 years, I, I like to think that, and I think that what's so difficult about health in, in general is that I'll, I, there's a lot of people in the space that can look at, 
you know, individual aspects of cost or individual aspects of care. And they say, hey, I have a solution that's going to work well with this. But they don't take into account plan design and they don't take into account the broker relationship and HR and understanding how can I fit this into the wellness programs? How can I synthesize all this different data and make it applicable to this, to this individual or employee? And I see that's where the, the power of machine learning and AI over the next 10 years is going to allow us to synthesize more and more of this data at point of care or point of, really a point of question and get you something that's, uh, and, you know, incredibly compelling from a decision point of view. And I see that that's where it will be. And the, you know, from a regulation perspective and, and how's how things move, you know, we see more and more burden shifting to employees. We know HSAs will be big next year. So that's just more indicative that, hey, there's probably going to be more and more focus on the employees being more responsible for pay. So there's going to be further and further consumerism across the space. And so we're really excited about the future. We think that putting the decision to the consumer is the right where it needs to be because it will have to break down the walls of, of opacity. And uh, I think that we're going to have a very, very transparent healthcare world you know, within five to 10 years. And I, I think we're all really excited about that. That's a great vision and something that I think a lot of us have been looking for for quite some time. Justin Holland, CEO and founder of HealthJoy. Again, Justin, thank you for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Yeah, great. David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.